Welcome to the Public Services Reform podcast from the Centre for Market and Public Organisation. My name is Ramesh Vaitalingam and today I'm talking to the Director of CMPO, Professor Simon Burgess. And we're going to be talking about research he's done on Ofsted and underperforming schools. Simon, why don't you start off by explaining uh, a little bit what the, what the Ofsted system is all about, how it works and what happens when a school is identified as underperforming. Ofsted is a system whereby schools are uh, inspected uh, in England on a regular basis. Uh, it's a national body and schools are visited these days for a relatively short period of time, maybe just a day or two, um, and at very short notice. And this is part of the overall accountability framework for schools in this country. It sits alongside the league table system, which provides a kind of a snapshot of how schools are doing in a very simple and spare way. Um, and the Ofsted reports give much more detail in terms of the quality of the teaching, the quality of the management and so on in the school. Um, Ofsted has four grades it applies to schools and, and the fourth grade is, uh, is, is failing. If the school is deemed as failing the students that it's um, through in its care. Um, and this, the fail grade is split up into two. There is schools that are given um, what's called a notice to improve and schools that are put in special measures. Special measures category is, is a very intensive intervention, but the notice to improve is really just a message to schools that they have to get their act together, sort themselves out, and really focus on, on um, the teaching and learning that goes on in the school. So you've been doing some research on what the impact of a school getting a fail mark is by Ofsted. Can you just give us a, an overview of how you've done the research and basically what, what the fundamental results are that you've come up with? Yes, it's rather uh, an important question to think about what the impact of, of uh, an Ofsted fail is on the, on the school and its future performance of its students. And when you think about this, you, it, it might go either way. It may be that failing the Ofsted is often very traumatic for a school and for its teachers, and you might think that this would lead to teachers departing, maybe the head teacher departing, parents deciding not to send their kids there, school roles falling, and the whole thing just spirals down into, uh, into a decline. Or you might think about it as, as a signal to the school, a bit of a wake-up call to get itself together, to uh, really focus on, the, on its teaching and, and the learning of the students. So when we started, we weren't sure whether we'd find a, a negative effect or a positive effect or, or indeed nothing much at all. And it might have been nothing much at all because actually the notice to improve outcome is really a very, very cheap and light-touch intervention. School doesn't really get any more resources. There are no operational uh, restrictions placed on the school. It really is simply told, sort yourselves out, we'll come and look at you again in a year. What we found was that there was quite a substantial positive effect on the schools. Now, I need to explain how we did this and, and positive relative to, to who. So we were looking at schools that only just failed their Ofsted compared to schools that only just passed. So we're not comparing these schools with, with schools overall, uh, the vast bulk of schools that don't fail. Um, so we're comparing of schools that are in a bit of a, a low-performing cycle at the moment. If schools just failed, how did they do two, three or four years later compared to schools that just passed? So it's really like with like. It's schools that are quite similar otherwise. Absolutely right. The, the idea to try and get at a causal effect here is to compare schools um, that are otherwise as alike as you can possibly get them, but one school have this intervention, one set of schools have this intervention and the other set don't. So the schools that only just failed their Ofsted, 
two, three and four years later are getting better results than the schools that only just passed. And we interpret that as arising from this, this focus that, the, that this sort of shocking outcome has on the teachers and the head teacher. So how big do you think these effects are? And do, do they vary according to different subjects, different kinds of students? So overall, we found the effect size to be around uh, 10% of a standard deviation of uh, student performance. This is the standard metric that, that people report outcome effects in, in education to be able to compare across different countries and different time periods. This is really quite a sizable effect. And when you think about how little the intervention is, it, it's a, it's a, in terms of sort of cost-benefit ratio, it, it's a very surprisingly large effect. One of the things we were concerned about was whether this was... Uh, if you like, gaming by the school as opposed to a real increase in teaching and learning, a real improvement in teaching and learning. Um, so we looked, instead of looking just at the overall score, which will include all sorts of qualifications, we just focused also on improvements in maths and improvements in English. Um, and we found improvements there too of, of a roughly similar order of magnitude. So I think we're reasonably confident that this does indeed reflect a, a real improvement in teaching and learning and isn't simply uh, schools being a bit canny in terms of the subjects that they choose for their students. What do you think mechanisms are that's going on? Obviously, it's hard, it's hard to know without going into each individual school, but do you get a, a feeling for an, an overall feeling of what the mechanisms are? No, you're absolutely right. In order to, to really nail the mechanism down, you'd have to do a different sort of research. You'd have to go and talk to people and uh, just talk in detail about what actually goes on. It's obviously not extra resources, um, because uh, schools don't get any extra resources. So what we think is it's really, it really is just a sort of quite a substantial nudge to schools that they're not doing as well as they should. Typically these schools are, are serving uh, more disadvantaged communities with uh, a, a number of sort of challenging uh, problems in their school. And it may be that some schools kind of think as that as explaining or justifying uh, a relatively low level of performance. The Ofsted inspectors come in and they've seen a lot of schools in, in that same context and they can see that this school actually could do a bit better. So it's a bit of a wake-up call is the way we interpret it as uh, you may think what you're doing is satisfactory but we can tell you from our broader experience that it's actually not satisfactory. Is there some element where it's about focusing on particular teachers that might be leading to uh, underperformance and perhaps making improvements there? So there's, n- there's nothing in a school that matters more than the effectiveness of teachers. So in a sense, the effectiveness of a school is based on the effectiveness of the teachers in that school. And it's partly how, within each school, how the best teachers are, are deployed, which classes they're given to. So it may be that um, the management of the school, the leadership of the school, um, decides to allocate the, the most effective teachers in the school in a different way within the school. Although Ofsted does uh, obviously observe individual teachers, and indeed they, they grade individual teachers... I don't think anybody would think that uh, observing one lesson on one day is a, is a good way of judging the effectiveness of a particular teacher. I think we have to believe that the head teacher probably has a clear idea who the very best teachers are and who the very um, least effective teachers are. And possibly this part of the mechanism is precisely this juggling and reallocation of those teachers across classes. 
Your, your research suggests there are clear benefits from the Ofsted system, but I wonder if it's good news for the system as a whole, because, of course, there are costs associated with it, and the, the cost of the bureaucratic apparatus of Ofsted and, and the cost in terms of the time that uh, schools have to put into dealing with, a, with, a, with an inspection. What, what's your view overall on the, on the value of the system? Uh, well, that's absolutely right. and It's quite a complicated question, because the intervention itself, in the sense of giving a notice to improve to a school, is essentially costless. On the other hand, the, the cost of Ofsted as a whole of the organisation is, is um, not trivial at all. It's got a substantial fraction of the overall school's budget. The, the question we're faced with is what's the best one, the question that we started with in, in our research is what's the best way of dealing with underperforming schools? And there's a range of options here. So one of them is close it down. One of them is convert it into an academy. One of them is do this kind of relatively low-budget intervention and tell the school to get its act together. And we have to think about the relative cost of doing those things. And it's, it's a, it's, it is a dilemma. On the one hand, you might want to say we should give schools time, we should allow for possibly a few years to go by before we take any drastic action at a school, because we know that any particular one year of data is probably unreliable. But on the other hand, if you delay a long time, you are um, condemning more and more generations of kids to, to failing at that school. So it's, how quickly to intervene is, is a difficult question. I think relative to the uh, initial academy programme, the new Labour Academy programme, this seems like a fairly good and relatively cheap option of, ter- of trying to turn a school around. I should emphasise that our research is about the, uh, the notice to improve schools, the schools that only just failed their Ofsted. And clearly there are schools uh, in special measures who are in a really, really uh, poor situation. And at some point, some much more drastic action will have to be taken for those schools. Final question, Simon. There are, you mentioned the, 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 the special measures school and the notice to improve schools. But of course, there are the schools that just passed, which are the ones you're making your comparison with in your research. And those schools might be thought of uh, as the schools that I think the current government has referred to as coasting schools that uh, might be doing just enough to be satisfactory but in fact are unsatisfactory in, in terms of what they're delivering for, for their pupils. What, what, what does your research have to suggest about that, that kind of tranche of schools, which is probably quite a possibly big block of schools, the satisfactory ones that aren't really satisfactory? Well, that's right. There are a lot of schools in those categories, and, and the, uh, the new shake-up at Ofsted is, has essentially redefined satisfactory as being unsatisfactory and, and needing improvement. So in a sense, that kind of... If, if that uh, label had been applied to a school individually, uh, our research suggests that that may well have, have an effect on pupils um, and the way that schools perform. I think at a kind of an aggregate level, if there's simply a, a change of label for almost political reasons or certainly at an aggregate policy level for Ofsted, it's not quite clear how schools will react. It's, they may see themselves as not having changed and it's just some, the whim of someone who has decided to relabel what they're doing. But there's absolutely no doubt that there are a lot of schools who could do an awful lot better for some of the students that they deal with. Simon Burgess, thank you very much. Thank you.